Today's episode of the Dirty Sports Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek! 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 The official ticket sponsor of SeatGeek. the Dirty Sports Podcast. Guys, if you haven't used SeatGeek already, I don't know what you're waiting on. Download the SeatGeek app today. It's the best app for tickets. That's for any event. Concerts. Comedy shows. Music festival. Monster truck rallies. MMA. WNBA. Golf, you name it, miniature golf. They have it all, Joe Prano. So, guys, the best part is you get $10 off on your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek! All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code DIRTY for $10 off on your first purchase. That's promo code DIRTY for $10 off on your first purchase. And I also want to give a very happy 20th birthday wish. The big 2-0. To Conrad Olbert. Conrad Olbert. Big 2-0. Conrad. 2-0 for the KO. Happy birthday. And give some love to your girlfriend, Mackenzie, for sliding into the DMs to get the birthday shout out. Usually it's not a good thing when girlfriends of Dirtballs slide into the DMs. You're like, look, I, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but... I'm not on the market, but this one slid in for the right reasons, slid in to say it's the big 2-0 for the big KO, and how about a birthday shout-out, which we are happy to do. That's Happy right. birthday, Conrad. All right, Joe. We have a fun show. We just interviewed Sean Merriman. Great show. Let's get to it. Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from the Smut Studio in Venice Beach, California, with my co-host Joey. No chill, pray now. Hello, Andy. I just saw you, man. You just saw me yesterday. Yeah, we're going back to back days. You know, I I like to have at least seventy two hours in between our hangs, but you know, we have a very special guest today. We do. We're making an exception. I'm seeing you more often than I'd like. I'm sitting in the middle seat. I feel like a whole new person. You do. We have a. A returning guest. I believe this is his fourth time yeah. on the Dirty Sports Podcast. Sean Merriman, welcome back, my friend. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, this all stemmed from, I feel like you're stoking the fire a little. A little Philip Rivers, Eli Manning discussion, which we're going to get to. But yeah. th- this is how this all, this all came we to be, right? We got to tease it out. We got to tease it out. Yeah, well, anytime I post something of, of Eli, you know, not really poking fun at him, but just, you know, kind of real facts about who's the better quarterback you know which people don't want to believe that because obviously Eli, Eli got the ring so I know I'm gonna get yeah I know I'm gonna get some pushback like every time I post him, like, oh he got two rings yeah um but we're not talking about it we're, at, we're saying who's the better quarterback and at the end of the day Phillip's the better quarterback but are we, John- are, we are we getting ready to this right now what, what, right. are, are we doing right, well, this I'm gonna, I'm gonna take I gotta get a little comfortable if we're gonna do this right now yeah. whoa 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 what's he doing <laughs> Oh. oh, come on! See, look. <laughs> okay, so he, so this this would be one of the ones that would comment yeah. under my under the photos, right? Yeah, because they're pro Eli 
for really one rings, really one reason. That's the two rings, which I completely understand. He got two rings. Yeah. But we're talking about who's the better quarterback. And that's, you know, I'm not really poking fun. I think Eli's a good quarterback. Yeah. But he's not better than Phillip. And that's the case that I'm making. So the, the, the question always arises because, and you always get, you know, uh, become a part of it because obviously you were part of the Rivers Manning trade. And that's, you know, something that even as a Giants fan and possibly the world's biggest Eli Manning defender, uh, I want to I want to tackle right out of the gate is a lot of people say who won the trade. And, and that seems to quickly devolve into who of the two is the better quarterback, which I will say, honestly, when it comes to who won the trade, while my team did get two Super Bowls, and I'm very happy about the trade, you are actually a major factor in questioning who won the trade. Because really, it was Eli Manning for Phillip Rivers, yourself, Nate Kading, yep. and then it ended up being a fifth rounder that got it traded for Roman Oban. Right. For three years of Roban Oban uh, at, you know, from 2004 to 2007. So, you know, let's say Roban, great player, but like, you know, last three years of his career, we'll set him sort of aside in this discussion. Yeah, he was pretty beat up. Nate Kading, uh, at one point, was the most accurate kicker in the history of the NFL. Mm -hmm. Now, you, like people who know Nate Kading's career, also well know that he was about 50-50 in the playoffs. So that kind of takes the and, – and also that gets into the kind of question of is clutch a thing or not a thing, which I think – Factors into the whole conversation. But I will say the one thing is, as far as winning the trade goes, the fact that you were included in it, you were the first-round pick that they got, you go to multiple Pro Bowls. When you're talking about the trade, I think it's uh, a, 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 a more legitimate discussion because of your presence. When you're talking about saying who won the trade, just simply Rivers Manning, that's where – you know, I know you're saying Rivers is a better quarterback and all that, but you know, there's there's a lot of factors, and I'm not sure just looking at their statistical performances is uh, is the fair thing to do. <laughs> you know, does any is there anything different in stats? And I'm not even a stat guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Well, here's if you if we look, we can get nerdy if you want, Sean. We can get nerdy, and by that I mean like we can go down this the stat thing. If you break down playoffs and it's funny that we're having this conversation because Joe and I actually had a – we put out just a separate YouTube video on this. If you break down the playoffs, I think this is where the discussion should be, is basically Eli has had a better overall playoffs, even just those those two runs, than Phillip. And, and I'm not going to disagree. Regular season, I know you're – I don't know what you're going to say as a Giants guy, as a New Yorker. I mean – Phillip has a much better regular season. But the problem is, if you look at playoffs, Eli, just two runs. And, and, and the thing is, Phillip, I, I want to hear your take as a guy who played on the defense. Everyone has this notion that the Giants had such a bad D or such a great defense. A lot of those defenses, top 10, 11, 12 in points given up that you played a part of, you had some good squads. They just couldn't score points. No, we yeah, we had. I mean, we have some probably the best squads in history, not even of the history of the Chargers, but probably history of football. Right. And the only thing I'll say about that with the playoffs is when they, when the Giants got to the playoffs, who do they have to play? 
Like, who do they have to well, play? Like, we we had to see in our playoffs. We had to see the Pittsburgh Steelers, New England Patriots, and Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts. All three three better teams than anybody the Giants had to play, right? So of course you're going to play better when you get to the playoffs because for one you play in a weak division that you can go eight and eight and still somehow make the playoffs. Yeah, nine, you nine, can nine and seven. No, nine okay, now nah, I mean, well, <laughs> I had to make it sound bad, man. So eight, you know, eight and eight, but you know, nine and seven, and still make the playoffs. Nine and seven, we won nine and seven my my rookie year in 2005, and we didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Was, we just ne- didn't have a shot. We were waiting on like two teams to actually lose in order for us to even think about getting in. You can actually in in that NFC East, you can get in the playoffs at nine to seven legitimately. We that's not a, another division. So when you get there as a Giants, who like who do they beat? Right? What teams? Well, they did, beat the they beat the fifteen and one Packers with Aaron Rodgers uh, in Lambeau. That, and that I mean, fifteen and one—that was a pretty good team. Yeah, well, we that, that we also up. we also had the Colts who were right. under, that year they were undefeated, right? Yeah. One of the years they were undefeated, we had the Colts. Yeah, um, we had the the Patriots. I think who only lost two or three games that year. These are the teams we had to like go through in order to, to when we got there. I, right? I, I guess the question, like, well, the Colts, right? Were fifteen and one, same thing. They right, they, they sat their guys. The only true undefeated team was. That Patriots team, right? That was what was it? No seven? Was yeah. it no seven? No eight? But, 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 but even that team, but even that team, until they lost, to yeah, the New York Giants, right? Even well, that right. team, Sean. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll take my chance. By the way, I'll take my chances when we get there. Right. Like the year that we, the year that we lost, I think to the, the not the Patriots. We lost to uh, yeah, I think it was Patriots. We we would have had to play as some sort of like the Chicago Bears, like in the Super Bowl, right? I mean, no, you absolutely, know, absolutely. So, so what I'm saying that, is, that was we, the big knock on Manning's career up to the time. Is like he only has the one, and it was against a Rex Grossman-led Bears team in right. the rain and all that. So, I guess here's my question for you, um, and and this I think is a factor in in when you're ranking quarterbacks or you know players in general is Eli Manning and Philip Rivers. Their stats in the regular season are their stats in the regular season, and then you get to the playoffs. And Manning's playoff stats are significantly better than his regular season stats. Phillip Rivers' playoff stats are significantly worse than his regular season stats. So his quarterback rating goes from the mid-90s to the mid-70s in the playoffs and begs the question, like, if you're arguing, you know, for a player, especially a quarterback being the most important player on a team, he's handling the snap every single time, are you saying that clutch just isn't a thing? Or no, no, clutch, saying- clutch is a thing. But who you're playing is is you know what I mean like who you're playing. Like we we played Ben Roethlisberger and that team up there. When I think it was eight, they were uh, in 2008, they were stacked. Right, they had Hans Ward, they had everybody, and we had to play the Colts. When we talk about 15, we had to play all top notch contenders. We had no we had no layup games by the time we got there. Like no one. But I I think the difference is if you really look at it, kind of like I was saying earlier. You guys, as a defensive unit, you played well. Like, like I, like I pulled it up, which I find interesting. That that game against the undefeated Patriots in uh, New England, you guys held that. That was the highest scoring offense in the history of the NFL. It was fourteen to twelve after three quarters. Yeah. So my argument could be made: you did your job. Look at the numbers. Brady was twenty-two of thirty-three. 
209 yards, three interceptions. Randy Moss had one catch. So I think I think I guess the thing Joe and I are saying is, by the way, we both think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. So oh, yeah. yeah, and without a doubt. So, okay, so that that eased the pain a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so, so, so no, yeah. That, oh, okay. hey, I think all I think all of the I think this is only a question that we're even having a discussion because we're talking about you know players that are some of the best of all time in yeah. their position and how they. They survived in a world playing the Mannings and the Roethlisbergers and the Bradys and the Rodgers and yep. the Brees. Also, in my opinion, some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But like Andy's saying, you guys did your job. And, and people always say, oh, the Giants defense, how good they were. The thing about the two Giants Super Bowls and the reason that Giants fans will forever love Eli Manning is that they were still down in both those Super Bowls, and then this guy gets the ball back and he drives down the field. Eli Eli's a clutch. Always have been a clutch player. He can t- he can stink it up for three quarters, and somehow in that fourth quarter he comes back and 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 does something miraculous. Every single time. I mean, even the times that we we beat them. I remember. I think in two thousand seven or two thousand, maybe two thousand nine, we we were there and we played them somewhere around there. And we we had a closeout game towards the end, but he was you know he was marching down the field. He was doing, yeah. He's, he is a, he's a clutch player. I'll give him that, um, but that and that's why I'm pushing. That's why I hope that Philip wins at least one, right? Because if he wins at least one, then this is not really a conversation anymore. And he just needs one because his stats are more superior. Sure, sure. He's been a better quarterback for a longer period of time, and you just in this day and age, you need that like that one to get the monkey off your back. Yeah. And once that happens, you know, I mean, I was at the Hall of Fame two times, right? I was there for uh Ladanian Thompson and I was there for uh for Ray Lewis's both both times. And I I I hear the conversations of of is Philip and I was asked the question when I was there, is Philip Rivers even a Hall of Fame quarterback? I'm like, what are you talking about? Right. Yeah, he why, is. Why yeah, why 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 is that even a conversation? But, I mean, to me, he I I think and honestly I think the arguments against I, I think both Eli Manning and Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger those guys from that class who all for the you know the majority of their career their stats have all been in the same realm as for as far as you know career accolades in terms of moving up the touchdowns list moving up the yardage list these guys are both all top seven you know in in everything all, like the idea that these guys, especially Roethlisberger having multiple rings, Eli having multiple rings, Philip Rivers being statistically superior to both of them in the regular season and and career accolades, like how how are you saying that these guys aren't in the Hall of Fame? You know, Joe Namath's in the Hall of Fame. He's got yeah. more interceptions than he's got touchdowns. People go, oh well, Eli Manning's record's five hundred. It's like so is Warren Moon's, right. and everybody agrees Warren Moon one hundred percent belongs in the Hall of Fame, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's like the idea that you're going to look at top seven statistical quarterbacks ever and say that for some reason somebody's not in the hall of fame and i get wins and losses matter and that's the big knock on eli manning's career is that he is a 500 quarterback right but the the you know the name of the game super bowl or bust because all the teams are selling out all their games no matter what essentially right right? so you just got to get in and then you gotta you know do it when you get there and i guess again it comes down to like you know, you're a former charger. You're friends with Philip Rivers. You've talked about it on the show. But, like, is there any sort of, um, you know, truth to Philip Rivers has, like, his playoff, you know, shrinking, if you will? Because you guys had great defenses. And then, you know, people always say, oh, the Giants had these teams, these teams. What about the offenses, man? Yeah. Ladane Tomlinson, 
It was the best offensive player that anybody had ever seen right. at the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I, I thought they should have won last year. Honestly, I mean, if, if that team, if the Chargers are healthy throughout towards the end of the year and they got their middle linebacker, pairing man, they got some of the D linemen, and they're healthy, they didn't have to throw an extra defensive back to try to stop the run, which didn't help. I felt they had a chance last year. Last year, to me, was one of their best shots probably since 2006, 2000, those mid-2000s, to me, and, and, and the way this team is built. And they're back again like that. They're back on, this, on that same way. They have the same stacked team. It just matters at that point in time in the middle towards the end of the season who's healthy or not. And that's what it's going to come down to. So, you know, I, yeah, I get it that, that Eli – is always going to have the upper hand because of the rings. Um, but, you know, like I said, Phillip gets that one, and it's a different conversation, in my yeah. opinion. And it's, it, and, it's no, and it's no hate against Eli, right? I, I think I've played against him many times. He's a clutch quarterback, and he comes up at the right time, even if he, like I said, stinks up for three quarters. He will go out and make those right plays just enough for the team to win. And that gets the monkey off his back, even though he's a 500 quarterback. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't consider – how much of these things like people look back and they look at a season's record or how it ended and they kind of judge everything on that as a Giants fan I know that something that is very frustrating as a fan for a lot of times when it doesn't work out is the Giants are an organization that go hey we just have to get in the playoffs we're this guy's banged up so we're going to sit him, and you're like, man, we really need JPP out there this week, or we really need OC out there this week. And they're like, you know, we got to hold him out. We got to hope to make the playoffs and then be healthy. And that was something that, especially on that first Super Bowl team that beat the undefeated Patriots, they were on the verge of missing the playoffs, and they're holding these guys out. But then everybody comes back healthy in the playoffs, and suddenly this is a different defensive line, and they're going. And people just go, "Oh, the worst team to ever win a Super Bowl." They were ten and six. It's like they were also banged up, as opposed to sometimes you get the thirteen and three, fourteen and two team yep. that gets there and they get banged up right before the playoffs, and then I'll shit out of luck. I'll remember like it was yesterday when we played the Patriots in 07. Um, how many of us was on the training table before that game to get something, some kind of cream or something to, just to play? Yeah. And my knee was tore to shreds. Uh, Phil had the, the partially torn ACL. Yeah. He had scope but the week before the game. Um, you know, Gates' foot was jacked up. LT's knee was – I mean, we were all sitting back on the training table looking at each other like we still got to go out here and do this, right? And we found a way to help, you know, hold the Patriots to what we held them to. And it, like I said again, even back then, it just comes down to health. You look at some of these – like our teams that we had, and we were just – when it was clutch time, we were all banged up. And the teams like the Patriots and the Giants and all the people who did win championships were, for the most part, healthy and got some of their guys back. Do you put anything into jo- – Joe's talking about the clutch thing. Like, like as a guy who played with Phillip – do you think he's less? I mean, I, we might as well just say. It. Do you think he's less clutch than Eli when it comes down? Because if you look at the actual on the road, and and actually, I was surprised by this too, Sean. I looked this up last night, and I told Joe, Eli Manning, and this is probably going to shock a lot of our listeners, has the highest active or the highest winning percentage of active quarterbacks on the road in the playoffs. He's seven and two, and Phillips three and four, which isn't bad. It's not easy to win on the road in the playoffs, but. Would, would you, like, for someone who's going to argue Eli, would that be the ultimate argument then that he's going to find a way to win on the road in the playoffs? Yeah. 
No, I mean you can you can definitely argue that. I'm not, you know, it's no there's no disputing that. And like I go back to Eli is, is a clutch quarterback. Yeah. He won, you know, I've seen him just snap out of it and, and make some big plays. And you haven't yeah. seen. I, I always say it's sort of a, and, and I don't mean this as a diss. He's sort of an idiot savant. He has an idiot look on his face. Everybody goes the Eli Manning face. You're like, what's he doing out there? And then he goes Rain Man on you. And then you know what? They f- people forget about those three quarters. Yeah. And one thing I've always said about Philip, especially early on in his career, Philip is one of the uh, most, if not the most, competitive person I've ever played with, ever. And I'm talking about out of all positions. He hates he hates to lose. And sometimes when you're that competitive, you you go and do things that you know you can f- try to force things in between double coverage or just throw it away sometimes and doing certain things. Sort of the Brett Favre, mentality. yeah, so, no, sort of that mentality because you know he's just so damn competitive. He just did not want to lose, and and that sometimes hurt him. And I think that was m- most mostly early on in his career. He, he doesn't. If you let, watch Phillips last three years, four years, he's not like that anymore. Yeah, he hasn't been. I mean, last last he's still putting up star quality numbers he's still throwing numbers out of this roof and he's doing it now with less mistakes if you look at his last three four years he's making less mistakes and and i think that's also something that when you're looking at both of these guys careers that's something that not enough people factor in it's like these guys were neck and neck for a while that even in even in career statistics and how they were playing like year in and year out they're right there eli manning has had a rough couple of years it you know is he done? Is he washed? Or is the are the Giants terrible? Is it some combination of the two? That's all you know up for debate, and we'll find out obviously this year. In that time, Philip Rivers is surging as Eli Manning's falling. Philip Rivers is in a in a sense, like you said, still getting better. And you know that in the long run, when you look back at their entire careers, that's absolutely going to be a factor. But like you said, he still needs that one. Because yeah. right now in the playoffs, and and you know we all kind of seem to agree that Eli Manning has a clutch gene, um, but is, do you think there's any truth to that? At some point in his career, Philip Rivers had a lack of a clutch gene that he was not showing up for you guys in the playoffs. No, it was just the opposite way. I mean, for one, we wasn't healthy, you know, including including himself. And I'm not talking about like the like the '06 game against the Patriots we just we had a couple penalties you know obviously I'll hate to bring it up because people won't stop bringing up but Molly McCree you know go what doesn't go down at the end when yeah. we intercept the ball game over we advance to the playoffs um just those things aren't put into Phillip River stats that we're not we're not putting in there at all we're not even talking about it but the truth of the matter it, I the, mean Kading's field goal like, yeah you know? I mean, yeah that, those things aren't but it'll go against philip sure because you know he's a he's a starter team he's a starting quarterback for us and he's a he's our leader and so when you're putting the 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 mount you know <laughs> the mount rushmore quarterbacks right and he's and he's not up there for whatever reason those mishaps that we had as a team won't be up there like hey by the way you know th- these penalties here by the way this missed field goal here or this missed tackle or offsides penalty whatever we had is all going to go against Phillip. And that's why I'm just rooting for him to just to get this one to get the monkey off his back. Yeah. And and, I, got, and also he's got to get there first, yeah. right? Like there's there's also the factor and you know we were just talking about sort of quarterback ranks forever. Like Drew Brees has had this insane career and that that penalty at the end of the Rams game is crazy, but 
He's got his one Super Bowl, but he's also only been to one Super Bowl. You right. look at these guys, you know, Roethlisberger's got a couple, and he was and an extra. Brady has, you know, the three losses now, but all the wins. It's like getting to the Super Bowl is hard. You know, Jim Kelly's in the in the Hall of Fame because he has great stats, but also because he went to four Super Bowls. Everybody knows everything's out the window once you get there. There's right. two weeks, the whole media, everybody's, you know, getting in trouble and the, the whole thing, but, like, you know, Philip Rivers and a guy who's wearing an Eli Manning Ole Miss jersey, you know, as a Giants fan, I I love to think. I love the look on Sean's yeah, face. Look, hey, I, look, I, I love that look right I there. I love to think we, you know, we get Philip Rivers and we get you in a Giants jersey. You wouldn't have been able to wear 56, but you would have looked good in a Giants jersey. Yeah. Uh, that we still get some Super Bowls. But I don't know. All I know is I got two and I'm like, you know what? Uh, San Diego Chargers can throw beer at me whenever I come in my Eli Manning Old Miss jersey, but I'm going to deflect it with my Super Bowl ring. Right. You know? Yeah, that, and that's always – even when I post things here and there, and I'm not done posting them here, I'm yeah. sure I'm going to have <laughs> more, uh, especially when the season gets close or not. But, you know, that's always going to be, like, the way out, right? That's that's an argument yeah. that I'm never going to be able to win. Sure. And even when I post or I mess around and talk about it, I know that I'm going to take some heat just for that. But the the debate is still open, and I still firmly believe that Phillips is a better quarterback. Well, let's talk this year. Let's kind of move the conversation. I I was like you, Sean, last year. Well, I cursed them. I, I I cursed teams, and it's bad. I I picked the Chargers to make it to the Super Bowl. I liked them a lot. Like you were saying, Phillips playing great right now. They have a stacked team. How are you feeling about them this year? Obviously, very difficult division with the Chiefs. Yeah, and the Broncos will be improved. God knows what will be with the Raiders, but. Do you like their chances again this year? Yeah, I do. Um, and it's, and I go back to the matchups that we had against the Colts, right, even when they were undefeated back in the mid-2000s, that we just always matched up well against them, right? You had great quarterback. You had a great wide receiver, great tight end. But what do we have? We had great cornerbacks. We had a great pass rush. And we had a great D-line, right? So we had everything against them. And I look at the, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Chargers matchup as well. Uh, the Chargers' defensive backs, to me, is the best D-back core in the NFL, all you know across the board. They're the best. Um, what have they? What, what, you know, what have the, the Chiefs have? They have a great quarterback. They got a great tight end. Great, you know, fast, speedy wide receiver, right? But you get now you got the best DB. So the matchups across the board, and you got great pass rushes with Melvin uh, Ingram and um, Joey Bosa. Yeah, to get to Patrick Mahomes, so he didn't have all the time to throw the ball. So. It sounds crazy, but that is a great matchup for them. You know, if you didn't have a pass rush, you're probably in trouble. If you miss, if you got a weak link, just one weak link at cornerback, you're in trouble because they're going to move Tyreek Hill around and you're going to have uh, Travis Kelsey. He's going to get moved around and they're going to expose your weak link. The charges across the board, they don't have a weak, a weak link when, well, a weak link when you get back there. You just hope that the guys are healthy when it happens because that, that's the only difference in – you know, the, the, I said last year, the Broncos wasn't a bad team. But in this league, you need a quarterback. You need a quarterback to do something, right? He doesn't have to be an all-star. doesn't have to be lighting it up out there. But you have to have something because they got a great defense. They got also one of the best pass rushes in the game with Vaughn Miller and, you know, the rest of the guys over there too. I mean, they got, three, they got a three-headed monster that can just get out the quarterback at any given time, right? So now you got a quarterback that's going to put some points on the board so those guys can get after you. So that's that. That has to be a little scary for Philip because, you know, I'm not gonna say Flacco's gonna go out there and light it up, 
but he's going to give you something better than what you had last year. And that something better might might be two games for them, just hopefully those wins against the Raiders, <laughs> you right, know, right. And, and not the Chargers. And, 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 you know, it's sort of we keep coming back to the same sort of ideas as the, the way people evaluate um, talent in the NFL. I think a lot of people do look at stats – and, and that's all they care about, stats and Super Bowl wins and whatever. But you're talking about Flacco. I think the lay uh, football fan is like, Flacco's washed. This is a disastrous move. Why would you even give him that money? But, you know, you're, he's a veteran quarterback. Like you said, he's, gonna, he's not, maybe not going to light it up. But I, I often say to Andy, like, look at the teams that have won Super Bowls with the highest – you know, uh, throwing passer in the league. Like, it tends to not be those guys right. who have the crazy numbers because it that tends to mean that your team isn't that balanced. And so, you know, we look through all the years, you know, Phillip Rivers, these, uh, you know, passing numbers throughout his career, Drew Brees, these passing numbers throughout his career, and then you've got, uh, you know, how many quarterbacks who have that sort of game manager mentality or, or the game manager numbers, and they end up coming out, you know, with the Super Bowl ring at the end of the year. Uh, I, do you think that Flacco can be for the Broncos a, like a game manager type of quarterback, play mistake-free football, or do you think he's going to go in there and, you know, try to throw it in the light air? No. 70 yards I, down I, I think he's going to do them some good. And, you know, I, I believe Flacco's whole problem in the first place was you had a, a, a young rookie that was coming in that you, you know they drafted him to take your job. And that is very difficult to go out and, and go about your business every day. You're, you're asking a guy to be a pro, you know, push for the team, don't get your head down and stay positive when you're already grooming a guy right behind him. And you showed me by drafting him in the first round. You, I mean, you do that, and it's hard to go out and play football. I don't care who you are. You know, you can look at this competition and all this stuff because at the end of the day, unless that that rookie is, is just terrible. he I mean, he has to be – flat-out garbage in order for Flacco to stay there. If he does anything remotely good or even shows flashes of he can play, you know you're gone. So how much can you continue to give a team? You know, you, you can try to and go out every day with the best positive attitude, but you know every mistake that you make, you're further away from the depth chop, you're further away from the team. And you can't play like that, especially a quarterback, because that's, that is a very mental position where you have to be mentally in tune and you have to forget the last play and move on, but you can't forget that last play because that last play might have just cost you your job. Now, since you brought it up, uh, that, that, that was obviously the situation with the Ravens last year. What do you think of Lamar Jackson? Uh, obviously, the sort of his energy – and just the change of pace for the Ravens last year, and they they sort of started running the ball, you know, almost exclusively with him. They relied on their defense. Do you think this is a long term uh, plan for success? Can they get by running what I I I've essentially said? It's not even a college offense. Like college offenses are more explosive than that. They're essentially running a high school offense yeah. where they're like, we're going to play D, we're going to run the ball, this guy's not going to make a mistake. Is this a long-term plan for success in the NFL? I, I think that they drafted him knowing that that was going to be the case, at least for the first couple of years. That they were gonna, until he picks up on the offense and you know be able to stand back there and deliver in the pocket and not think – you know, he's not. I wouldn't even call him a run-first guy, but knowing that you can run, it's, it's easy to make that decision once you're, you know, you know, check downs and certain things aren't there. 
and it's here. Okay, that's not there. I'm taking off, right? As opposed to another quarterback who is a pocket passer, like that, number one, my options, they're not there. Number two, number three, and then I can take off, run, or throw the ball away. And his is, okay, that one's not there. I'm out. And I think they understood that when they brought him in here. The, 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 the good thing of it is that he can make plays. So it's not affecting them. So if they can get by, right? And mind you, the, the Ravens that won the Super Bowl back in, what, 02 or 2000, whatever it was. Yeah, 2000. They, I mean, they averaged 11 or 12 points in offense a game for that year. Obviously had, you know, the greatest middle linebacker that ever played a game. And right. Ed Reed back there. But they have a solid defense this year. Yeah. And most, def- most teams that have built their – teams on running the ball and playing great defenses that 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 is this is your mentality going forward like this is who you are this is your identity now and to change the quarterback position of what they brought him in for and they knew he was going to have to play like that for the first two or three years it doesn't make any sense so I think that that that's their game plan going forward at least for this for at least one more year and uh, as a defensive player, obviously the game in the NFL has changed. There's a lot more run pass option, and quarterbacks are a little that you know they're not maybe running quarterbacks as much as it's an ability to run. Um, as as a defensive player, when you know a quarterback might take off, is that something that you're annoyed with because that's something else you got to think about, or are you kind of licking your chops, going, "We know we're going to get some shots at him, and maybe we take him out of this game." Yeah, there's um, you. Ha- it's very annoying <laughs> as a as a pass rusher because we have to rush in our pass rush lanes. We can't go under or try to beat a tackle because he's stepping out too far. Or you coming up and under or go, you know, run a, a stunt inside because as soon as you give up that edge, you know he's taking off. And this is not going to be a gain of five. It's going to be a gain of fifteen plus every time he does, especially when you when you lose your pass rushing lanes. Um, the good thing of it is that. When you know he's going to run, you stay in your pass rush lanes and you wait for him to come to you because he will. That's what I always did. As a, if we played a guy that I knew was a run first, then pass, or that was his kind of his specialty, what he was really good at, I'm, I'm just going to run, run up the field or I'm going to run right down the tackle and I'll let you scramble and run right into me and I'll grab your legs and bring you down. It's simple as that. Now, can you rush like that every time? No, but I like my chances. And anybody who's playing them this year, that that will be the key. You know, stay in your pass rush lane and let him run to you because as soon as he feels pressure, he's going to look to get out of the pocket. Now, you can't do that with the guy that's going to stand back there in the, in the pocket because you'll never get to him, and he, now he has all day to throw the ball. Well, we're talking about guys who can run and scramble. I think that's a natural transition to talk Dak Prescott. I know you have a lot of <laughs> – I know you were just saying as, as we went in the elevator, you got obviously a lot of opinions on that. This was the news yesterday. Joe and I have already talked at length, so we'd love to hear. I'm a Giants fan, so I say give him $50 million. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to give him all the money. Yeah. I mean, what do you think of, about these demands from a guy who statistically really hasn't, you know, crushed it on the field? Well, and this is going to piss a lot of the Cowboys fans off, and I wish they wasn't so delusional sometime, right? Because I've, I've talked about it plenty of times. I do like Dak Prescott as a leader. Right. I mean, he's a natural born leader. He's who you want to lead your football team. He just has that persona. He takes charge. Uh, he plays hard and he, you know, he'll go out there and lay it on the line for you. And you'll play with a guy like that. Um, but that isn't taking the fact that he's he is an uh, average or above average quarterback. And I always said he's a 22 to 25 million dollar year. I, if they gave him 22 million a year, 
I would say that's 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 about right, based on not only of his talent level, but based on the other people that surround him, and who they have to take care of. You know, you you know, you pay him twenty two, and you now you got money for Zeke, you got money to keep Amari and some of these other guys, and I think that they were paying um um uh the Dean Lawrence right, and they they gave him what a hundred million or something yeah. like that. Yeah, they're starting to take care of the guys in priority who they need for the future and Dak needs people around him so if you need people around you I think that you fall in between that 22 and 25 million dollar quarterback when you start asking for 30 plus and I'm not even going to go across to 40 million because I knew that was BS I didn't believe that's that's just a negotiation yeah I don't even think he can I think that was made up maybe from the other side the, uh, the Cowboys negotiation to make it seems like Dak is just out of his mind. Make sure he sees the tweets. Make sure he sees the yeah, like yeah, so, yeah. Because I mean, they lit him up, you know. Because when you when he was asking for thirty two people, like he lost his mind at forty. You know, you really Go lost home, it. Dak. Yeah, you're drunk. Well, you really <laughs> lost it. So, you know, when I say that he's a twenty two to twenty five million million dollar quarterback, the only and only the Cowboy fans get pissed off, right? How are you going to say that? And this, no, he's an above he's an uh, above average quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I guess, and that's actually what I had said yesterday. I had literally said I'd pay him 25 nothing above that. I guess the big question for someone like Dak, and Joe and I like to play this game, which I think is fun, of, you know, put him on a different team. Like, you made a great point, Sean, saying he's got a pretty good defense. He's got Ezekiel Elliott. He's got Amari Cooper. He has great pieces around him. You know, you take Dak Prescott and his ability, and you put him on, let's say, who, who's going to be a bad team this year? Let's say let's say you put him on the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, how many games do they win? Not much. They probably won't do better than they did last year. I mean, seriously, yeah. because there was nothing around him, and that is what that's what I keep saying about Dak. I mean, if, as long as he have a running back, he has Amari, he has a, a defense. Not only what you know uh, uh, Lawrence, but also the two inside linebackers, who are my two favorite guys to watch play. I mean, th- these guys are just studs with uh, Smith and um, uh, Van Der Esch. These guys can play. So if you got a team like that built around Dak, if I'm Dak Prescott and I know that I can potentially lose Ezekiel Elliott, I can lose Amari, I can lose one of these two interior guys, I'm taking less anyway. What's well, the Tom Brady mentality, yeah, I'm right? Take, I'm taking less because I want that team around me and I want to have that support group. You start asking for 30-plus, then you one or two of those guys are gone just because of salary cap. It's not that they don't want to keep everybody, but one or two of those guys are gone and now they get, it's much harder for them to figure out. Even, not, not even counting the offensive line. That's probably what top three in the NFL. So you start talking about thirty plus. These these are the guys who I see thirty plus million. And I saw the the list the other day. But the Drew Brees of the world. Um, you know, I think Matt Ryan was up there, right, or somewhere close to it. Yeah. I I, I rate him maybe a little bit under a Matt Ryan, right? Um, because when you start going over there and you talk about 30-plus, you mean elite quarterbacks who don't need a whole lot around them to win football games. Yeah. And that's that's how I you know, kind of So now elite. here's my question for you as a guy who played in league, as a guy who you know had to work his contract and had his contract demands. Uh, obviously, it's very easy to step back and say – Oh, okay. You know, Dak's not better than Matt Ryan, and Dak's not better than Aaron Rodgers, and Dak's not better than Drew Brees. But if you're a player, and you're Dak, and you see the second highest paid quarterback in all of football is Kirk Cousins, how do you how do you come to grips with the fact that like, well, the Vikings gave Kirk Cousins thirty three million, but it's crazy for me to ask for thirty million. 
Yeah, well, Kirk Cousins, before he got to the Vikings, was also lighting it up and was put on, like, what, two or three contracts, one-year contracts yeah. in order to get that. You know, you, you look, if that goes out and tear it up this year and then puts up the numbers, then he should be somewhere in the top five highest-paid quarterbacks just based on market, where the market is right now. If he tears it up this year, where he's at right now in the years that he's had, even though they got the wins – Right, even though they have, you know, his winning percentage is he had a great winning percentage, but you can't count the fact. And I'm talking about I'm I'm sit, I'm sitting up in the office or the front office on the Dallas Cowboys side. What they're gonna say? They're gonna look at that defense to see how how great they've been over the past couple of years. They're gonna look at the offensive line to see they're one of the best offensive line, offensive line in the whole NFL. They're gonna look at Zeke and they're gonna look at Amari coming in. Like look at all these people we put around you. Yeah. You know, if you take this, this has to go. I mean, it's a negotiation tool that that the Cowboys going to use, and they're right. And I'm not siding with the team. I'm just, and, I, and I love for players to get paid, but this is what they're going to say, and they'll be right. Right. Well, and, well, and, I was say the point you made yesterday. I thought, you know, what you're basically doing again is, is great because it's maybe in the long run you take less, but you're going to be there longer and have more guarantees because you have yeah, if you get, if you a get team around million you, and you don't succeed. They're going to pull that plug. Whereas if you take 20 and you keep winning 11, 12, 13 games a year, they're going to keep you forever. And and the thing I think that, you know, not enough people talk about is like, first of all, Dak went 13 and 3 his first year. And that was when, you know, Zeke was also a rookie. Tony Romo goes down. Their defense plays pretty good. Their offensive line that year was incredible. Best in the league. Last two years, they get a couple offensive line injuries. And it's 10 and 6. It's 9 and 7. And what I'm saying to Dak, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, is, okay, I get it. We had some injuries on the offensive line. But if you take $40 million or $30 million, it's not about them being injured. It's they got to go because we can't pay them. Right. So now you don't have the best offensive line in the league. And wasn't it a lot easier when you did? Yeah, and and it, that it, those are our real reasons. This is not we're just trying to negotiate against you to pay you less money, because I'm sure they love Dak. Dak is is he's the face of the franchise. He's the type of guy that they're looking for that fits in what they're trying to build. But the truth of the matter is, there's a salary cap, and you start request you know requesting thirty plus million. Somebody in this core is going to go, and yeah. that that's that's not even just that's just the honest truth of what's going to happen. When you're when you're on the defensive side of the ball, obviously the quarterback's going to be basically the highest paid player on the team, regardless, unless they're coming on a rookie contract. How how does it feel like just being there and like always looking at the across the locker room at this guy who's just like always going to get the most money? Is that something that's like like you obviously had Philip Rivers? Yeah. You know when you, when you look across the locker room, like that guy has earned every penny. I want him to be as rich as he possibly can. Or are you thinking like, I hope Phil like takes it easy on us. It'd be great to have another corner this year. No, we don't. We the players never get involved in that type of stuff. I mean, you want to see guys get paid. You're actually rooting for everybody to get paid. You're not saying you're, you're not trying to play front office, right? You're but you're not, a smart guy. You know, not everybody can get paid. Yeah, you know, not everybody can get paid. But you know, if if it happens where you got a quarterback that's saying, you know, I'm not coming in or I'm not doing certain things unless I get paid, then you might have some kind of of a problem with that. But you know that the quarterback position is going to get paid. And, and and not even just the big money. You have this because of the market where it's at. You see some of the average guys. I mean, you look across the board and you've seen an average guy getting 16, 17 a year. And you're like, what? 
they haven't been to the playoffs in five years or, you know, whatever the case is. So, um, I mean, Matthew Stafford's the highest paid quarterback in football. He's got zero playoff wins. Yeah. And, you know, and, but, you know, they, they paid him based off of his talent, what he, what he can sure. do. But at the end of the day, you look at that and say, when the last time they've been to the playoffs? Yeah. Well, the contract thing is interesting when it comes to running backs. And I love your take. Obviously, we have something going on here with Gordon, with the Chargers. Zeke's going on with, with a contract dispute. And we've taken some deep dives looking at it. Are the, are the running backs really worth it? Because a, a lot of these teams, you can plug in a player. If you have a good O-line, Yeah, and, and that's nothing against these guys. These are great running backs. Right. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like if you're an owner, if you're an owner of a team, are you giving the running back who also is also susceptible to injury? Are you giving them all that money? Yeah, well, you got to change the length of their contract and how you look at it. But in this day and age, the running back position has gotten devalued so much, right? Because yeah. you had a couple teams here or there that just plug in a running back and they've been able to still win. Um, you know, even when the Pittsburgh Steelers had James Conner back there. You know, all due respect to James Conner, he's a you know he plays hard. He's a great you know guy to come in now to fill in for Le'Veon Bell, but he's not Le'Veon Bell. He's just not. You know, Le'Veon Bell can do everything. Le'Veon Bell is a threat every time he touches the ball, and James Conner is a a guy that you can come in and not take a big hit because you don't have Le'Veon Bell and you have a great team around him. But at the end of the day, you know the difference as a, as a former defensive player. I'm looking at the backfield. If I see James Conner, if I see Le'Veon Bell, there's a difference. And you, you, just because Le'Veon is back there, you, you don't do certain things in your defensive scheme. You know, you know that he can go out to the slot position or, or catch a ball at the backfield and turn it into a 15- to 20-yard gain every time he touches the ball. You don't worry about that as much with James Conner. I believe if they had Le'Veon Bell last year, they probably went to the playoffs because Le'Veon Bell himself is good for about one or two games. They were one or two games short from missing the playoffs. So I think in that case, because you've seen the Patriots plug somebody back there and still being able to do it, um, you've seen some other teams here and there. Once in a blue moon, the Broncos did it for years. Well, I yeah, think. But I who? Think. But who? Who did the Broncos? Okay, you found a in, in the running back they have now. You found a dominant in the rough. Yeah. You yeah. didn't. You didn't expect. No one expected Phillip that. Philip Lindsay. Yeah, yeah. Philip Lindsay. That dude can. He can flat out play, and no one expected that. So, you, if it was anyone else, and they're trying to prove that theory. Tried finding another another. Well, Phil I think Lindsay. the running back position also got devalued because there was about a ten year stretch there where every single team that won, with the exception of maybe the Seahawks and Marshawn Lynch, it was sort of a running back by committee thing. And the best, the the teams that had the best running back in the league, not to you know pour salt in your wounds again, but like you know Chargers having Ladainian Thomas, like yep. the, the teams that had these guys who were like doing otherworldly things from the running back position aren't making the Super Bowl, and the teams with guys were like, hey, we're going to go with Brandon Jacobson, you know, Derek Ward, and Ahmad Bradshaw, and, and have a spend that money on defense. Right. Those guys are getting there. The Colts, the, you know, the Broncos, like, uh, the, I mean, even the Steelers pre, you know, they had old Bettis and uh, these guys and the Patriots for all their teams. Um, but now I think, and, the, you know, you bring up Bell versus Connor. I think the one thing that has brought the running back back, if you will, is these guys who are such a factor in the passing game. Yeah. Saquon, uh, Gurley, Le'Veon Bell. These guys were like, they're more than just running off tackle. There's so much that they're able to do. 
and you know certainly it's we've seen some huge contracts for the running back yeah um and they should be because you have some guys who's just flat out special who can do multiple things like that um and look at how many the passing attempts now to running attempts i mean I remember back in the mid-2000s when I was playing and we played the Chiefs, they lined up in power set, eye formation with Willie Rolfe, uh, um, uh, Brian Walters, right? Uh, Priest Holmes back there and Tony Richardson, and they were running the ball. And not and then done, they had a tight end. It was yeah. six, seven, you know, almost 300 pounds. And they would just run the ball, you know, 30-plus times a game and wouldn't care. Uh, now the game is different. So if you're taking a running back out of the equation – and you're throwing the ball 65 or 70 percent. I don't know what the percentage is around that around there. Uh, then yeah, the running back position isn't important. But what people just the, the fact of having a guy back. You talk about Bettis. I, I'll get the the craziest Bettis stories. My rookie year, we played them, uh, and I go. I'm coming from college, and I'm used to lighting everybody up. I don't care I, if you if I get you one on one, it's over. Uh, I had Jerome Bettis in open field my rookie year, and I just tried to jump and do my leave my feet and do my one of my arm tackles, and he dragged me four or five more yards. <laughs> and you know, Bettis was at the end of his career then. You caught the bus. I caught the bus, and I, and I didn't have a ticket. All aboard. I didn't have a ticket to be on, and that you know that ticket almost expired. No one's kicking me off, and it kept running. Uh, so you know, even Bettis back then, and we're talking about presence, you yeah. know, and and I go back to um, you know Melvin Gordon. Right in his contract situation, if the Chargers wasn't so good around the board, they would pay him. They would have paid him two weeks ago. The fact is that they are they are so good. They have three wide receivers that can start on any football team in the NFL. You got Hunter Henry, who's back. One, you know, top five to me, top five tight end. You got um, we know, you know we know uh, uh, Stephen A. Smith's excited about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, and you, so you have this team that's uh, that's so stacked. That you're looking and saying, okay, how many games can we win without having to pay Melvin Gordon? Uh, and Austin Austin Eckler came in and shocked a lot of people. He's another guy who can catch the ball at the backfield, so he's valuable there. Uh, but Melvin Gordon being in that backfield and as a defensive player, you're like, okay, this dude might get the ball and run downhill right now because he runs so damn hard. Uh, so now his presence is back there. Austin Eckler is good. I mean, he can play flat out. He's he's energetic. He brings life to the team, um, and he can do a lot of things, including catching the ball at the backfield. He can move him around, and he he runs these wheel routes down the field and 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 run past linebackers. You can you can forget about it, and you can say the same uh, on the opposite side for Melvin Gordon. He's not that great out the backfield catching the ball, but that first and second down, you know, you need those four or five yards and hits in order to get in those third and short situations. Melvin Gordon is a guy that that you need in that backfield, and and you need him late in the season. Keep late that ball season, out of yep. uh, Philip Rivers' hands in the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, since you brought up Melvin Gordon, I think it's again a good transition into another story. Uh, obviously, Antonio Brown and the Raiders. He's in practice. He's not in practice. He's not playing because his feet because he has frostbite from a cryo chamber. He's not playing because of his helmet. How much of an effect does it have on? Uh, you in the locker room and the locker room as a whole when you're in training camp and guys aren't there for whatever the reason may be. Well, it's it's like this. You you know you know what you're getting before he gets there, right? It's not a secret. Um, and for these things to happen, you're not like, oh my god, I can't believe. I mean, it's Antonio Brown. That's what you get with the package. But you also get probably the hardest working guy in the NFL or one of. Um, who come to practice every day when he's healthy and he, he goes and he produces. He put up the numbers. Uh, so it's the give and take, right, where 
you are okay in a sense. I'm not saying you're giving him a pass, but you're okay in a sense because this guy, he's so highly productive. He can do so many great things with, with the football and your, and your team. So, okay, what, what are you willing to, to deal with in order to, for him to keep going out and producing? And he can, he can do this for a long time if he goes out and keeps producing. The, the problem is, is that when you're making these demands, say, I'm not going to play unless I get this kind of helmet. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And then you stop producing just even a little bit. That's, the, that's your fastest ticket out of the NFL. They'll, they'll, get you, they'll get you out, and I don't care how big your name is. They'll get you out of there faster than if you were a guy who couldn't play at all. Is the helmet that big of a deal? Obviously, neither of us have played. You excelled at the highest level. Is I, mean, there, I played in high school, but, you know. Well, I mean, come on. We <laughs> no, both, just like, is there anything to that, Sean? Is there anything to a guy in his helmet? I, I recently saw the latest interview with Tom Brady in a way saying, yeah, man, like, you know, you, you get used to your helmet. It kind of becomes your thing. Was that ever the case with you? Did you ever have a helmet that you didn't want to give up? No, but I, I've had cleats that I wouldn't play in, right? Um, I had cleats that I wouldn't practice in because they would hurt my feet or, or things like and that. And these so, are cleats that they were saying, hey, these are the ones we want everybody yeah, to wear. Yeah, you know, you get you know three or four pairs from Nike or something like that, and you just have some cleats that you don't you don't want to wear, even though you had different options. Um, and I use this analogy when you come to Antonio Brown, I, and I don't like the way he went about it, you know. Um, and I think that's that's his problem. It's not what he does, how he go about it, you know. Um, if he went to him and – Hey, said this is really causing a problem, guys. Like, I don't know how I'm going to play. He, I mean, when you lay down the line and say, I'm not going to do this unless I get this. Yeah. That's where, you know, the, the, the steam comes from. That's when the, the big things happen. If you come to him and say, look, this is going to be really hard for me and, and kind of talk about the situation, uh, then it eases the pain of what's going on. Um, when you have a doctor or any kind of surgery or anything out here and he's using utensils like the, his tools that he's performing surgery with, surgery with I mean, he, he can't do it unless he has the right tools, do you, do you go to him and say, um, you, gotta, you, you know, you got your problem? Every time you come in to do surgery, you know, you always complain about these uh, the stencil, you know, whatever, yeah. they, whatever they use. I don't know the, the terms of it. Do you complain about this? So I don't, I don't believe in no other profession. If you're a perfectionist in what you do, you want the best equipment so you can go to work. And it doesn't come across like that because he sometimes, no point intended, but shoot himself in the foot, right, yeah. with a lot of stuff that he does because he's right in the sense. If that helmet or that face mask or whatever that problem is is – disturbing you even five or ten percent of you being trying to be the best wide receiver in the NFL then yes there's a problem what what percentage of this and we talked about this on the show yesterday do you think that there's any portion of this that's like hey my feet are fucked up and I can't practice and I'm not going to be there it's not healthy for me to be there I need an excuse to not be there I'm going to create this helmet thing and this helmet thing. Will everybody talk about my helmet while my feet heal? Or do you think this is just a combination of two things happening at once? He's hurt and he's got a helmet thing and he's not going to play. Yeah, well, it's a combination because he can just say his feet hurt and he can't practice. And don't, no one, I mean, he showed a picture of his feet. I don't think nobody's going to deny that part of it. But it's sort it. of a self-inflicted wound. It's a self-inflicted you know. wound. I mean, stuff happens. Um, you know, I get in the cryo machine and I got stuff on, but I can easily – 
if I'm tired after the workout or something I'm doing, and I walk in there and I could forget putting on my shoes, and they could stay in there three minutes instead of the two minute period, and something like that can happen. It's possible. Um, so I, if the team, if you go to the team and say, guys, you know, I, hey, I made a mistake. I, I got in this cryo machine and I didn't think it would do this, but it hurt my feet and I can't practice. No one's going to come down to him and say, you know, we're going to find you because you can't. Like, no, that that happens, and you just want him to get healthy and get ready to to go back out there. I don't think those two uh, issues have nothing to do with each other. Now, you you talked about him being sort of uh, like being known as a hardworking player, being one of the hardest working players in the league, and that's something that, as a Giants fan, obviously we had our own quote unquote diva wide receiver last year, who's uh, certainly one of the best players in in all of football, but but also got a lot of attention for you know what he would do on the sidelines and what he would do whatever the. The popular opinion was that Odell Beckham was liked in the locker room uh, because he worked hard and because, if anything, maybe he just wanted to win so much that he didn't know how to handle losing and he's kicking nets over and he's crying. Is it, does it come down to simply when you're on a team like, hey, I know that guy goes out there and works hard and practice every day. I know that guy goes out and gives 110% on the field on Sunday. That's all I need to know about this guy. Or what point do you start shifting the balance toward, man, I really wish this dude was not – like, I really wish after every game I didn't get a question about what my teammate was doing with a net and what he was – you know, what, where he threw his helmet and what he did. Yeah, I, I think they were already transitioning guys out of there no matter what. And he was one of the guys, right? So when you are looking at rebuilding your team and having the right people in there who you see as the right people going forward because – they got rid of Landon Collins and uh, Vernon. Well, they got you know, they got rid of about three or four big guys. Yeah, right. Snacks. Yeah. yeah, you got rid of three or four big guys who were obviously not the problem of you losing, but you've already you, you're already losing games with those guys in your team. So let's start rebuilding now. You got big contracts out there, guys. You have to pay. Uh, so you you already making a decision now. The problem is when sometimes it happens, you have so the guy have to be the problem child on the way out the door because now it doesn't make sense. Right, so if a guy's a good guy in and out, does everything for your team, never had any problems off the field, anything like that, and you still get rid of him, and then you end up stinking it up next year, then the fans and people are going to say, "Well, why you get rid of this guy? He wasn't a problem, and you kicked everybody out the door, and he wasn't a problem." So you 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 have to have an issue on the way out the door. There's no there's no reason why a team is just going to get rid of you, right? You have to, there has to be an issue, and at the end of the day, um, I would deal. And, and play with a guy that's passionate that you seem maybe a little over the top, maybe a little whatever you want to call him, but he cares and he wants to play and he practices hard and he goes out and produces. You can deal with those guys. The guys you can't deal with are the ones that are okay with losing and you're sitting there getting beat week in and week out. And I've seen that before too where you can go back in the locker room after a loss and you might have some guys in there laughing and giggling and, and you're looking at them like, dude, we just got our ass kicked. What's, what's, what's so funny? And you you want to you want to get rid of those guys because they losing doesn't bother them. I I just want to ask one more thing and then we'll you know uh, you know get get to a lighter subject. But uh, one question I have for you in terms of the way some of these guys like what's happening with Antonio Brown right now, what's happening with Odell Beckham, you get you you get the Tom Brady's coming off the field and throwing their helmet and screaming at people. You get Philip Rivers on the sideline with a, the just the stinkiest face. Let's like some did somebody take a shit on the sideline? <laughs> you know, like he just he just so angry and I feel like 
you know, uh, these quarterbacks are like, oh man, these guys are so fiery and they're so they they care so much. But one re- receiver comes off and throws his helmet down, and now it's this big thing. What part of that, in your opinion, is that these quarterbacks are held on a pedestal versus like this is a race issue? Like the the black guys can't act up, but the white quarterbacks can do whatever they want. And they're just fiery. Well, I can't say that, but I can't even really call it a black white issue because look at the 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 things that people say about Philip, right? He always talked trash. He's this. He's yeah. He never shuts up. And, you know, you're talking about a guy who doesn't even curse, yeah. right? So how, how Philip Fudge and Rivers. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. How, much can, how much trash can they really be talking? But um, like I said, it's one of the things when, when you're on the way out the door, you have to have a problem. Antonio Brown's been doing that since he came into the NFL. You know, people say he changed whatever, but go back to his first couple of years. I mean, he's, he's thrown some helmets or had yeah. the sideline antics or whatever you want to call it. But he was producing. They knew he was going to be there for a long time. And when it's time for you to go, now yeah. is the problem. And they have you have to have a reason to be on the way out the door. Um, and I'm not giving him a pass. I'm just saying that that is most cases when guys are on the way out. Do you – one last thing on, on the receivers and what we're projecting. What's your take on the Browns? Now, everyone's on them, Sean. I, the Vegas has their over-under at about nine wins. I'm saying it's not going to work out. You got a brand new coach. You got a lot of personalities. Everyone's on them. I think people are sleeping on the Steelers, sleeping on the Ravens, who we talked about earlier. Do you think the Browns win the division? Yeah. You do? I do. Um, because you got some other parts still trying to be figured out. I think that they going with the Steelers, they're going to get a rude awakening about Antonio Brown not being there. And I'm not, it's nothing against Juju, it's that coming out being the man, being number one for the, for the first time is difficult. And you have to not only physically be okay with that, but mentally knowing that you're going to start getting double covered and you're not going to get the ball. And we all know how receivers get some time when they don't get the football. So that's going to be one adjustment. Somebody else is going to be the number one as far as the the targets and stuff like that because you know Juju can play. You're going to come out and stop him first. Um, and then you got what, Cincinnati, right? They're going to be bad. They're going to be, they're going to be bad. And I think that – <laughs> the, the fan, we we know it. Um, so the most exciting team, really, to watch is the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. The the I would say the only thing that's going to keep them back is because they're going to be they're so excited. They got so many big names. Is they can't buy into the expectations, right? They can't buy. They they can't have the attitude that they're supposed to win. A, they're supposed to win a division. They have to literally go out there and play one game at a time, and. There's a lot of stars in that team. And, and a lot of guys who maybe it doesn't seem like it's in their personality to not go big or go home. You know, like you got Baker, you got Odell. I, I, I'm on Landry. I'm, yeah, I'm with you. I, I do think the Browns win the division. And I think the Browns win the division because, you know, we've got all these stars on offense. Their defense is fucking good. It's good. Yeah. We're not even talking about I mean, Miles To I me, Miles Garrett, and, you know, I spent some time with him in the offseason. Miles Garrett is one of the best defensive players in the league. Yeah. And, you know, I think he cut 10 pounds. He's looking, like, lean right now. He was boxing during the offseason and doing some stuff. I mean, just in one preseason game, he's just he's just being oh, oh, yeah. He just, he's, he's a monster all the way around. And sometimes when you got a lot of stars in the team, what happened with stars is that they outwork each other. And I'm saying that because we had 11 Pro Bowlers on one team, you know, one of the teams I played for with the Chargers. And you can watch practice, and we were just like – I mean, guys were full sprinting every time, and you wouldn't want to be last to the football, and you were trying to rip every ball out and you know fumble recovery. I mean, it was it was we we got after each other every single day, 
And I think that's what you're going to have to the Browns. But also – Is that good or is that bad? That's great because okay. what's happening is Miles Garrett, he's not a a super outgoing guy. I think he said something about him playing, playing video games and kind of just laying back and stuff like that. But, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of eyeballs on the offense side of the ball. And if you yeah. don't think that the defense is saying they're getting overlooked and they're going to play just as hard and they have to – now you got competition. Every day in practice. So you got guys that is going against Odell Beckham. You got guys going against Juice Landry. What happened when they're going to see guys in the game who's not better than them? They're going to have to step – they're going to step their game up because they forced to every single day. Yeah. So they're naturally just going to be better players. So it's it's going to be exciting for them. The only the only thing I, I can possibly see in is they, they have so many big, uh, big names. They got so many superstars that they can't buy into we're automatically going to win because of that. Gotcha. Well, hopefully, just being the Cleveland Browns will help them. Right. Keep keep their heads. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you what are you doing? You came from a workout. What are you doing for workouts these days? I, I do a lot. Of, a lot I, of MMA I see training. your videos. Yeah, I do a lot. Of, the one you had so much sweat. Oh yeah. Just uncontrollable amount. Um, yeah, you know, a couple of days a week I'll go down and um, train in Long Beach with with some with some guys, get some sparring session in, some good work. Um, and I, I like to mix it up. You know, I'll lift weights four or five days a week, and I'll throw, you know, three or four days of, of training in. You think Sean can handle Andy's little beach workout? <laughs> I mean, I, I know you play at the highest level, but I got this workout. We call it Andy's little beach workout. It's pretty A lot intense. of running and push-ups on the beach. Well, see, the, the, <laughs> for, see for sometimes up to 30 minutes at a time. Well, see, that's the thing. I don't do little guys' workouts, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, I don't. <laughs> You know, you got you got guys and they don't want to do a little all. guy. It's a little beach. Well, yeah. a little beach well, well, so you're going in there talking about running for 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah. And see, the reason why I do a lot of MMA stuff, it keeps me keeps me late. And I, and I really do. I like to fight. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the, the contact of <laughs> and I'm not, not you. <laughs> the, the whole Look. Philip Rivers thing. I was just joking. He's totally clutch. <laughs> um, no, but you go in there and, you know, I, I like to be competitive. And obviously I have the MMA league with Lightside Extreme fighting. Um, you know, I get a chance to train with a lot of these guys. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of me still keeping my competitive edge and being able to go on out and, and compete. And you, you have a big upcoming fight, right? Yeah. With your league? Yeah, we have Lights Out Extreme fighting at a Commerce Casino on uh, September 21st. Uh, huge card uh, that we got coming up, two, two title belts on the line. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll be sold out here in the next week or two. I was going to say, Joe, we got, we got yeah. to go to that. Commerce, you got, yeah. yeah, you come, man. I mean, we, there's, there's no – when you walk in there, you know you're, you're at a lights-out fight because the intensity in there is just unreal. I've actually never been to a uh, MMA fight. Well, and, and that's why we love being kind of local, right? We we love we stay in Southern California here. We're at the Burbank Marriott, uh, we're at the uh, Comic Casino. We'll probably move further down the highway, um, you know, further down the yeah. road. But we love standing because a lot of people who don't get a chance to go see MMA fights other places, they they come and check ours out, and where that's why we get, love it. Where can people get tickets for that? At uh, LightsOutXF.com. And um, we we go on sale. I think next week the tickets go on sale. Okay. And we always, we always go on sale about a month before the event because we sell out pretty pretty fast. We, we're going. If you guys want to go, I, I mean, yeah. we'd, we'd love to go. When, when is it? What's September twenty first at Commerce on. Commerce Casino? I mean, maybe I'll ramp up my little workout. Get me get myself ready for some well, MMA. Come, come get an amateur fight. See yeah. how that feels. <laughs> Sean, I would get destroyed. <laughs> Andy already had a brain injury. Yeah, I, I already he had one. a sidewalk. I already had one brain injury because I got too drunk. I, I don't. I don't need one where I'm actually fighting people. I, I'm. I, what would be my weight class? I'm probably about a buck sixty-five. Is there? Is there even a weight class for that? Yeah. Well, you can drop down to one forty. I think you can drop twenty and fight at one forty-seven. 
I don't think you should. I mean, you should definitely not fight. You, we, I, we can get you there in about can three, I four weeks. Can I fight with a helmet? <laughs> I don't even think the amateur fights fight with a helmet. So. I walk in with shoulder pads and a helmet. I, I, I'd still probably die. You're going to need Antonio Brown's helmet. I need the very specific one. I need yeah. the, the old Sure helmet. I know. That's exactly what I need. We we you, we got to bring up now now that Sean's here. We have our mutual friend who has become your official fill-in on this show. Oh, Tug Coker. Tug Coker. Yeah. So that's my boy. I and I know it's so funny. So you you acted in first one of now we're talking, and Joe and I were actually in season two, which which they're still working on getting out there. W- any acting on the horizon for you, Sean? Yeah, what's some other stuff? We, you know, I try to do things where I can be in and out. Yeah, right? like I, I try to stay away from like the reoccurring roles. It's gonna, I gotta yeah. be somewhere for three months. I'm just the league, man. I just, I love doing it. It's what I yeah. wake up to do. Um, and I try to just stick to one good thing. And if I got time to pop in on on a set here and then, tug, tug it to you. I, I do my thing sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I he's I mean I already think you're a great actor. You did, yeah. you had the whole Philip Rivers thing. You said it with a straight face. You yeah, know, I, I'm, he's a better quarterback than I. You gotta teach Sean. Sean's gotta teach me the. Uh, he's gotta teach me the lights out dance. Yeah, well, you gotta have me back on. You know the good thing is when I come on, like y- y'all fans are the the craziest and most rabid. They they like uh, come come back on. They're nuts, right? So if I they're like the it, Raiders fans of podcasts. oh yeah, they're the if Bill, I if they're I, the Bills mafia <laughs> of podcasts. If fans. I don't if I don't come on, they're like you better get your ass back. I'm like okay, all <laughs> yeah, right, I'm going on. So this wall, Sean, all most of these things and these bobbleheads, all our fans who we call dirt balls, the, the dirt ball Senate, they have my address. I think which we're gonna need an eight by ten of Sean doing lights out. That's what I was thinking. I mean, we got OJ. OJ murdered two people. Well, allegedly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, OJ. You know, you know my feelings on OJ. He, but he, you know, he's good on Twitter. Yeah. You, Honestly, are you following OJ's Twitter? Twitter? I, you know what? Other people who I follow, they retweet him, yeah. so I see it. It's like yeah. Donald, it's like Donald Trump. Yeah. Like, I don't follow, so him, but I, don't, I see I don't, them all. I don't think I, I don't think I follow him, but if I if I don't, it's it's always other people who retweet him, and I get a chance to see it. Yeah. Don't yeah. follow him into a Brentwood mansion, no. that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I follow his Twitter. I always love when he's uh, – I don't know what his move is, though. Like, what's OJ's move? Because well, he this has to be playing up for something, right? He got he got over a million or something now, right? He, he got big pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. And Twitter, um, yeah. I remember going to do a, um, a signing in, in New Jersey some years ago, and I remember the line just being wrapped around the corner and out the door for him. So it's it's kind of it's kind of weird that people has have this like a fat you know this thing about yeah factuation about him. That I, I do. Just, it's terrible. He's yeah. a murderer. But you know, but the thing is, you, you watch, but you watch him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You watch him though, and he's it's like one of these things you can't stop watch. It's yeah. like you, you you get cringy a little bit, yeah. yeah. But you keep watching. So I guess that it's, it's like a lot. The, it's, but it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, cringiness on social media that we just yeah. You know, like we, how many t- like one thing I can't watch and I always do is when it's like somebody break a bone right yeah. a bad injury and I know it's coming and I and I'm like ah, I don't want it cuz it's going to give me that cringe feeling yeah. and I get that cringe feeling every time do you think as someone who played football and I'm being serious with this do you think OJ has CTE cuz I've seen a lot of that especially based on his yeah. social media they said he seems delayed he's kind of out of it do, I, it's it's hard because he's what sixty he's what sixty five somewhere yeah like he's 70. older um it's it's hard because you know I I know people that played football that has 
the 65 plus and, and completely fine. I mean, they got someone got like a little lamp because of the knee or hip. They had yeah. a hip replaced or yeah. something. Um, and completely fine. You see some guys, you're like, oh, well, he, he could. It's possible. Well, you never really know. Sure. You know? Well, Sean, it's always a pleasure having you on. We got to get you on more, man. Now that you've now that you been – I told you before the show, I believe you're the, the third pro bowler to sit on this couch. And unlike Pat McAfee, you, you wore pants. <laughs> yeah. And, and with him – Love Pat, but – Yeah, I love Pat, too. That's my man. He uh, – and um, if he didn't have on flip-flops and, like, flip-flops, did he have on board shorts or, like – They had, like, George shorts. Like George. Yeah, oh, yeah, customized shorts. <laughs> oh, okay. That sounds about right. Tank top? Tank yeah, top. Tank okay. Top. You know yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. And, and, and we learned something that Pat loves – Ribs from Applebee's. He's a fan. That's when you live in the Midwest, you know. <laughs> See? That's when you live in the Midwest. Sean gets it. That's I know, because I, I played in Buffalo, yeah. right? So the joke was when I went to Buffalo is, you know, the hot spot was Applebee's when I moved <laughs> out there. Even though they did have a, a bunch of great food spots that yeah. if yeah. I if I ever get back out there, I, I go hit all the time because they do have some great food spots. Okay, we should, we should ask him then real quick before we let him go. We're heading to Texas this week. we got some events down there. We're going to be in uh, – we're going to go throughout. We're going to be in the Dallas area, the Houston area. Is there any spots off the top of your head as a guy who played? Um, like, you've got to go eat there. It's a it's a really – I got, can't think of it off my head, but it's a really good steak joint in Dallas that when we played them down there, we'll go, we'll go to. Okay. Let me think of that. I'll, I'll text you, but it's a, cool. it's a really good steak spot. I don't to know be. if we're going to be able to eat steak after. We're, yeah, we're, tell Sean what we're doing. We're attempting to – it's like the Big Texas Challenge or something like it's that. It's called the a, Big Texan. It's a restaurant. 72-ounce steak salad shrimp cocktail what was that baked potato and a roll oh yeah in you an hour you, you won't be able to go anywhere they put yeah. you on a stage you think you could yeah. eat 72 ounces of steak that's a lot um i think 36 maybe the, the most that i've ever done and, and we're I, both gonna try this joe yeah, yeah. that's this, this guy played in the nfl yeah, yeah. I, I, believe it or not i'm not even a huge eater like I don't, really i don't eat you know maybe three times a day tops but <laughs> Good luck I'm with not that. a huge eater e- eater either, you know. But my thing is, like Eli Manning, I have the clutch gene. Oh, so even though go. people like don't think I'm gonna get, right. my brain just might go to. This is this is where we go. This is where we this is where we got to end it here. Yeah. It's gonna start back up. <laughs> well, Sean, where can everybody follow you on social media? Uh, follow me at Sean Merriman and uh, LightsOutXF.com, where you get tickets for September 21st at Commerce Casino. Cool, and we'll be there. Yeah, we'll All be right. there. Southern California Dirt Balls. You got to come and join us there, Sean. It's always awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. All right, guys, have a great week. And oh, I'm almost I'm, I'm ready to end it without even saying our, our sign-off. And most importantly, stay dirty.